0: Have you ever received a gift that you really didn't want? Now, we're coming up to Christmas, right? So, so generally speaking, you know, you, you, your dads don't need any more ties. There's, I mean, there's, there's socks, you know, all that kind of stuff we've got, all that that we need. Uh, we want those, but I had a gift that was great. In our family, the way we operate is we had four children, uh, Seth, Nate, Drew, and Mary Beth, and, uh, and we had uh, Kim is my wife and uh, I am her husband, and so as a result of this, what we would do as we uh, started getting our vehicles kind of worked out, we'd say, okay, the best vehicle is going to go to mom, and then the next best vehicle is going to go to the two that, that can drive, and then I'm going to get the worst car in the history of the world just to get me back and forth to work. That's all I need. You know, that's, that's what I need. And so... Um, I don't know if any of you have that same kind of mantra or, or that, that kind of way of living, but that's the way we did. We had too many, too many kids with too many uh, tickets that cost lots of money and all sorts of things that happened. So, um, so this young lady said to her dad, her dad bought her a new vehicle for uh, graduation, and she said, hey, can I please give my car to Scott? He's a student pastor at the time. I was a student pastor. And he said, he's riding around in a piece of junk. And, uh, and it just, I don't think it'll go everywhere. So at that time, that was a gift that I really liked. It was, a, we needed that vehicle. And, and so we, we put that one out to the farm and just let, let it go. You know, that, that car was gone. This new car was in. I, I kept that car for 10 years. And it was a nineteen. 89 um, Thunderbird. And, and it, we just kept, it, just kept it, God somehow just kept it working, kept it working. Well, there's obviously a day where a car doesn't work anymore. And so what I did was I said, hey, we're going on vacation. We're going to leave this thing. We're going to do the kids for Tots, you know, kind of, you know, cars for Tots kind of thing. And so we left it and we left the keys in it and we went on vacation and we really celebrated not having that car anymore. I don't know if you ever had a car that you celebrated that you didn't have anymore, but I was really excited about not coming back home to see it. We came home from vacation and uh, we drove into the car and then a police car came up and he drove uh, and somebody else, the other policeman, pulled it up into our driveway and said, we found your car. It was stolen while you were gone. And I said, no, no, I'm not taking that car back. You can't make me, like, you can't take me to jail to take that car back. I, I'm not going to do this. This is not going to be, this is not something I don't want to do. And so um, so he said, well, listen, the guy that, that bought it that worked for the company, he um, had the skill of acquisition. And so he acquired the car, he fixed it, and everything that was wrong with your car is completely fixed again. And he said, if you want to, you can actually give it to the guy, or you can keep it. And I said, so it really works. And he said, yeah, it works, it works, it's fine. I said, okay, that's great. Well, um, over time, that ran down again. I gave it to a student pastor. The student pastor got that car, and he used it as his personal car. And uh, I'm glad that he did for a long time, like two years or so. And he was saying, hey, I'm going to bring your car back to you because... I've got a bear car, and maybe you might need that car again. And as he was coming to a baseball field where my kids were to give me the car back, uh, a foul ball went and crashed through the, the, the driver's side window, and it was it was totally messed up. Uh, and so we got back and we said, Hey, listen, I don't really want this car anymore. And I would look at people and say, Well, I don't want that. I would try to give it away to a variety of people. So we finally were able to get rid of this car. But we actually had the car that was somewhere like in the 89 kind of deal. And when we got that car back, we just said, hey, we're taking it straight to the junkyard. And we had a guy who put it back together. And that guy put it back together and he used it for his family for the rest of his life. So I kept getting that same stupid card over and over again. I just didn't put up with it anymore. Have you, gotten, have you ever gotten something from the Lord that you didn't expect? That you are totally like on your own figuring out what it is that God is trying to speak to us. So we're in Exodus chapter 3. And if you guys want to look there, we're going to look at Exodus three and I'm going to put this right here and we're going to look at 10 words that are really significant and really important because God showed up in a spot of Moses life when Moses definitely needed to hear um, a word from God. Now, why did he desperately need to hear it? So you guys know that. Um, when you're looking at Moses and his trajectory for 40 years, he was like basically in the king's palace and then he killed a man and he had to run away. And he went 40 years into the desert to take care of sheep. And, um, and so he took care of sheep and that was his life for 40 years. Could you imagine 40 years just all the time, just constant all the time just they you know the reason why why God calls us his his little lambs it's because sheep are the dumbest animals on the face of the planet right and so uh, we get to take the moniker of we are now the dumbest people on the face of the earth we we're sheep and we have to have someone that leads us so there are big moments that happen in your life, and sometimes you don't even want those big moments, and they come for you, and you weren't trying to get them. But now we're trying to get them because we're wanting to be engaged in the full-on, worldwide ministry of Jesus. Um, and and this is back in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3. This is where Moses... Um, Began this conversation. I want you to think about this. There's big moments and big moments lead to momentum and big momentum creates massive movements. Our goal is to multiply the influence that God gives us to other people around the world. So we're saying that on the front end and we're going to come back to it on the back end. But Exodus chapter three, I want you to read along with this. and We're going to take this pieces at a time. So in Exodus 3, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so Moses, being curious He steps into this passage and he says, hey, I'll I'll turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see God called to him out of the bush. Now, today, if you go home after church and you you go up to your house and there's a, a there's a bush that's on fire and it's talking to you, there's one of two things going on. God is involved, or Satan is involved. One of the two things is is going to be what's going on. So, uh, in this case, this is definitely God. And in places in my life, when I was called to ministry, I wasn't looking for ministry, and and God intervened in my life. And I we can talk about it later, but it, it, there was a dream, and in the dream, God made things so crystal clear that I was supposed to re- surrender my life to Jesus. And I didn't know because I wasn't necessarily in a family that was religious or Christian. So I didn't know what to do. And so I just went to the church that I was attending in and said, hey, I think something happened last night and I need to deal with this, but I don't know what to do. And this pastor said, hey, a very similar thing happened with me. We'll talk through it. It's going to be good. But listen, here's how here's how God begins to stir movement. Um, and it's pretty amazing. We've got 10 words we want you to think about. This sermon is called 10 words. And so the 10 words that we're going to look at, 10 words from, from 10 words from God and 10, words, uh, five words from God and five words from Moses. So the first word that God had was a name. What he said was, Moses Moses. He didn't start by telling, Moses, who God was, he started by saying, I know you. I know your name. When I was called into ministry, I knew that God was speaking to me. He knows your name. He knows my name. Whatever he's calling you to do to make a difference in the world, he starts by calling your name and getting your attention and us listening So those things, those things happen. The the second word that God gave in this, this little passage, when he saw the bush and turned aside and God called to him out of the bush, the second word was a warning. Okay, so Moses, Moses was the first word. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Now, why would God burning in a bush having a conversation say, hey, don't get too close The reason he didn't want you to get too close is because God is so holy that you would be consumed in the presence of his holiness. So he was saying, I'm going to protect you and take care of you. And I'm doing that by asking you not to come any closer, but listen very closely and do what I ask of you. Now, his third word is is still in this one little section of of. Of Genesis 3, 5 and 6. So Moses and Moses, Moses, Moses is the first thing he said. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And then the third word is, and he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This is like a super holy moment. Anybody had this happen in your, in your living room? Is this happened There have been moments where God like, intervenes with you, and when God intervenes with you, He's trying to get your attention so that you can be all that He intends for you to be. So, Moses, Moses, don't come near. I'm the God of your father. So he was identifying that this reminder of my presence will always be with you because Moses had 40 years in the king's palace and then he killed a man. And he's reminding you that even though that took place, you killed an Egyptian person and you had to get out into 40 years of sheep. In that 40 years of sheep, what Moses was, was dealing with was, hey, I was in a great place. Now I'm just, I'm just taking care of sheep. I've lost what I thought I was. And so the reminder that God gave him in this moment was, my presence is with you. And I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at God. There was a point in the dream that I had when I was called in ministry where I just simply couldn't think about what was happening in my dream because I, could, I was so overwhelmed by the directness that God was with me in that moment. Have y'all ever had a direct word from God? Like just just really direct. Like it was just for you and it was just at the right time and right moment. He knew your name. He, he knew that he could protect you and he was reminding you that he's still with you. So verse seven, chapter seven, verse seven, chapter three. The God's fourth word was mission. It was a mission. This is what God came. So the whole burning bush thing, the whole talking bush thing, the whole Moses, Moses, do not come near that I am God of your father. All of these things were leading up to this moment where God's going to activate ministry in Moses life. So verse seven, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and who have and I and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. God had a reason for the bush, for the fire, for the conversation. And in all of those conversations, he's he's moving to one bigger thing. The, the the, The fifth word was he was calling Moses into his mission about the worldwide expansion of of God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we engage when we're together, this was a moment that is just one of the banner moments that remind us that a church is the most powerful resource community in the history of the world. Because you know people that you have mission with. That God has placed in your heart and you go do that mission. It's not just that we come and listen about a mission. It's because we go to do a mission and God's asking us to do that. So verse verse 10, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. OK, so now God is God is for the moment going to stop and allow Moses to have a moment to process what's going on. And I think you're going to maybe find some conversations in here that may be some conversations that you've had with God on a regular basis. So um, so when we get to Moses, really first word, what he says is. I have no identity. This is, and so here's the passage where we're going to look, where we see, hey, he says, I have no identity. They won't recognize me. I've been away for 40 years. Nobody will know what's going on. I don't have any authority. I mean, all that stuff is there. So verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? This is, this is, the, first, this is the first way that Moses is saying, I ain't, I ain't into this. <laughs> I n this y'all had the moment with God where you said, "Oh, yeah, yeah," but that's not my plan. <laughs> that's 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 not my plan. And, and God's like, "Yeah, that's right." Because I actually have a plan for you that is not your plan because it's my plan, and my plan is going to actually be super more important for you and for the world and for the worldwide mission of God than anyone else. So then Moses said to God, I, "If if I." Um, so Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring these children, these children out, of, out of Egypt? He said, "I." and this is God speaking back to them. So just imagine the five things that God said as like these are constant. These are constant. And so what he's going to do now is he's going to reinforce all of the excuses that Moses has. He said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you shall serve God on this mountain. Okay, so now, here's what God's doing. He's saying, I saw you in the, in the, in the, in the castle, in the kingship, and then I saw you with sheep. And now, over the next 40 years, we're going to go to the promised land. We're going to get to the edge of the promised land, and then Joshua's going to take over. And that's we know that because we could read the, we've we read the book. But the reality for you and me is when He said, "I will be with you. If God is with you, do you have all the resources you need to do whatever He's asking you to do? So Moses hadn't clued in to that moment. He hadn't understood it. and this will be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain, and listen. The pressure point for Moses is he's an 80 year old man and he's got 40 years to do what God's asking him to do. Okay, so let's move to uh, the second uh, reality that Moses is going to use as an excuse. Now, this is excuse number two. Uh, He said, I have no authority. I have no authority. Okay, so if you have God with you, do you have all the authority that you need? So he's trying every way he can to step out, just just like when I try to ask my son. And, and this is a, a perfect example. My my youngest son, Drew, um, he was uh, a part of Grace Athens for several years. And um, he was he was in, in high school in, in his in his like 10th grade year. And it was his responsibility to take the trash out. And so he forgot to take the trash out, forgot to take the trash out, forgot to take the trash out. And uh, my wife has an amazing way of getting the attention of our children when they don't do what they're supposed to do. And so when that happened, I was still in bed. I had come in from a long trip. And, and, and so I heard like when after Drew left, I, I could kind of tell that he didn't take the trash out. But my wife went and took the trash can and she put it up in his room and she turned all of the trash in the big trash can into his floor in his bedroom. And then she walked through and said to me, hey, no matter what happens, don't you go in there and clean that mess up in that room. And I said, what? 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 Okay, so she left and I went in the room and I literally, like, Uh, It looked like a metric ton of trash. And there was coffee grounds and everything else he could do. And so he figured out that it's probably better to listen to mom and do what mom says at the right time, at the right place, with the right heart. You know, that's the conversation that we have with with our kids. And and so uh, he came home the rest of the day and he walked in the room and he went, who did this? And then he went, oh, mom did. (laughs) <laughs> Mom did that because I forgot to take out the trash before it was supposed to come. Um, and so what what we do sometimes when even when God's talking to us is we look and say, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. I, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it. I'll do it eventually. And so that's what all these excuses are about. It's just trash on, on the ground. So then Moses said this is verse 13. If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, Listen to this again, he, you've heard this before, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. I will always be present with you. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham the and the. And of Jacob has appeared to me saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of the Hebrews you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, "The Lord, the God of Hebrew of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God." Now it's pretty close to Thanksgiving, right? So in Thanksgiving, pretty much we get to see um, Moses um, and. And going through the Red Sea, Charlton Heston, doing a great job of being Moses, you know, all that stuff that comes on on sometime during this week every year. And and so when we have an opportunity and God's speaking to us and then he gives us a mission and he calls us into something, he's not going to let that go. He's not going to push that away. God has sent me. I hear God But I'm not processing what God is saying to me. And so verse 19, we're looking at, But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So he knows Moses isn't the person that's going to be the mighty hand. He's going to be the person that introduces Egypt to a mighty hand. And the mighty hand is the hand of God. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go... You shall not go empty handed, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. You know what God just did? He just (laughs) it's not like crypto. It's actually real silver and real gold. We're going to fund what you're doing. God's going to fund what you need when he's called you to do something. He's figured out ways to make those things happen. But Moses still has a third excuse. And here's the third excuse. The third excuse is this. I have no credibility. I killed a man. I have no credibility. There's there's nothing I can do. Here's the reality. I know who I am and I know that I'm needy. I need God to work in my life in order for things to work in my life. But the the pressure point and the reality for Moses is that he can't just get across that because he just doesn't want to do it. Here's here's what God's trying to say. Moses, I am God and I am I am credible in you. I can be the carrier of the message of God and God has promised at every point in this journey, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm going to finish this. You're going to start this. I'm going to finish this. This is all about me. And so when we when we start looking at this in in chapter four, verse one, then Moses answered. But behold, they will believe me or listen to my voice for they will call. The Lord did not appear to you. Why? Because Moses thought he wasn't credible. Listen to me. There's a whole lot of people that come to church and they sit in pews and they listen and they go home and they feel like, hey, my goodness, this is this is great teaching. This is great preaching. But what what's happening when John preaches to you guys on every week is that there's a mission and a calling behind what John's preaching each week. And so what we're asking you to do is to is to not be a Moses and to be someone that says, how can I put that to work this week? So this is where this is where God had to move from hearing to demonstrating. OK, so 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 now he's going to demonstrate God's first wonder. There's uh, there's a second bush or a third talking bush. Um, and, and this one is amazingly Personal to me. All right. So in 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 chapter four, verse two, the Lord said to Moses, "What is in your hand?" He said, "A staff." And he said, "Throw the staff on the ground." So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And the Mo- and Moses ran from it. Now I don't like snakes. Can can anybody else in the room say I don't like snakes? All right. Um, I, I run or I go for a stick or a hoe or a shovel or whatever I can get. I just, I don't, I know there's good snakes and I know there's bad snakes. I just don't want to stay around long enough to figure out which ones they are. So, so in, in this deal, Moses was really smart, human, very human. I'm going to run because when a staff turns into a snake, that's bigger than me and I can't deal with that. Okay, so chapter four, verse four. But the Lord said to Moses, now this is the fun piece. All right. This would be you. If this is you and you just be Moses for a minute, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. How many of you go snake, snake hunting? I don't ever go snake hunting. I go snake running. I'm I'm Moses like in this thing. But if you were going to pick up a snake, where would you pick it up from? Would you pick it out from the tail? No, no. What, what you would what do, because like, Aaron's a snake a snake wrestler, so he, he does this for a living. And so when he's really smart, he just reaches down behind the neck of the snake and picks it out and just goes through it out. The woods. He's no big deal. He's, he, you're just a man's man. You just can't help it. That's the way it works. Okay, so now when God looks and says, hey, listen, how much are you going to trust me? I'm trying to develop your trust in this whole conversation you can trust God when God comes to you and he has a mission for you. And so when I can just imagine Moses go, OK, now, God, I know where you are and I know where I am and where I am. If I get the tail, he's going to he's going to bite me and I'm going to die. And then I'm not going to get your people out of, out of Egypt. I'm not going to do that. So he's putting Moses in trust scenarios over and over again. And he wants us to see that God, if he tells you to do something, and if he just kind of quietly in your own heart gives you a mission, man, start paying real close attention. So put, the, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand again. He was, he, he was never happier to have a staff in his hand at that moment. And... They that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, that would have been enough for me. But God was starting to get his daddy voice moving. Right. Okay, so the the next word that we have um, is is the reality that we're pressing into now Is there are wonders. So here's the second wonder. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. If you got leprosy, you weren't allowed to be around people. So you were in total isolation and most people died from it. They couldn't they couldn't heal it up. So Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So so that's two death defying moments that that Moses that Moses is hearing from God and wanting to understand what what, my goodness, this is this is making me crazy. And verse eight, if they will not believe you, God said. Or listen to the first sign, they may believe this second sign, this second sign. And that wasn't quite enough yet. So God took Moses from unclean to clean. He took him from fear to faith with the snake. Here in the third wonder, um, if they will not believe even these two signs, verse 9, or listen to your voice. You shall take some water from the Nile and pour it out on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So where, where we're getting to, where we're looking at in all these words, God's saying to you, I know your name. I'm warning oh, I'm you because I want to protect you. I'm a reminder, I'm giving you a reminder of who I am. Because names are a big thing. It's, it's interesting that he, he gave his name to Moses. And the fourth word is a mission. I, I, there's something I have for you. It's for you. It's only for you. It's just for you. And there's a calling. So I, but Moses says, I, I have no identity. I have no authority. I have no credibility. These people aren't going to pay attention to me. The third wonder, if they will not believe those two, what they're doing now is they're foreshadowing what will happen when they get to leave the promised land, is that the Nile will become dry blood and dry ground. So now we're back to the word, the fourth word that Moses Speaks and it's, I'm not gifted. I was in uh, Dallas, Texas a couple weeks ago with college students from around America, and we worked really hard to let them feel like if you have the presence of God in your life, there's nothing that you can't. Conjure up on your own, because God is going to fund what you need. God is going to give you the resources. He's going to give you the team. All of that's going to come together. So Moses in his fourth excuse, "I'm not gifted," and this is this is his excuse. But Moses said to the Lord, "Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent of speech, either in the past or since you have spoken to you to to your servant. But I'm slow of speech and tongue." Then the Lord said, who made your mouth? You can can feel the daddy voice coming, right? This is God going from, hey, I'm helping you. I'm doing amazing things for you. And now just the more excuses you give, the more forceful you can feel. This mission has to happen. And Moses is integral in this mission. We want to see all this happen. This forecasted fulfillment of what's going to happen when he when he finishes out his last 40 years and and he gets to the cross, uh, the promised land and J- Joshua takes him over. So, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. And teach you what you shall speak. And and what we see in this passage is eventually he says, hey, Aaron will help you. He speaks well. You know what never happened in in the whole, you know, miracles in Egypt that took place? Aaron Aaron didn't say a thing. Moses said all of it because at some point God made his point. His daddy voice came and just listen to this. This is God like saying, come on, man, let's 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 get let's go. He says, it's like when I was watching Kentucky last night. I was like, let's get, let's go. Uh, and he said, but oh Lord, please send someone else. This is where it really got to. I just don't want to go do it. I think it's a great thing for somebody to do. It's just not a good thing for me to do. I've got all five of these issues, and just just think about how. God and Moses are having this amazing conversation. You probably had some parent-child conversations that kind of go this way. Then the anger of the Lord kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what to do. He shall speak for you and to the people and he shall be your mouth and, and you shall be as him to as God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you will do all of the signs. Now, pretty much, that's the close of the conversation. That conversation is, is over. But I want to talk to you just a little bit about me. When, when I had this conversation with the Lord, it was, it was undeniably clear. It was scary to no end as a guy who'd been a believer for a year. And I had two parents that loved me like crazy. They had a little bit of a disappointment with church their whole life. And I'm having to wake up and go tell my parents that I think God's calling me to a lifetime ministry assignment. And I didn't even know what those words meant, you know. But I, I just said, I think that's what I'm supposed to do. And you know what? My mom, who was really like the one that said, gosh, this is such a waste of your talent. And you know, all the way up. I, she said, she said no, nah, you're getting really serious about this Christian thing. You know, I, I just don't want you to get out of hand. I just don't want you to get out of hand. I just don't want you to get out of hand. And, and before, my, before my mom... Um, God, well, he, she got up, and she came into my room, and she sat on my, on my bed, and she said, did you wet your bed? And I said, no, i have have like a wrestling night with God, and I just need to tell you that regardless of what's going on, I feel like I'm, I'm, supposed, to, I'm supposed to serve God in a ministry way. And, and she said, I figured that's what was going to happen. And she said, you know what? I'm 100% behind it. I just didn't want somebody else talking me into that. And I said, "Well, there was somebody who was talking to me about, it. and and it was it was it was God." But I want you to hear these five words a couple of times. In my life, many times where I haven't stepped up to the plate in mission, God has had these same kind of sharp conversations with me. I would say, "Listen, I'm nobody." No identity, no identity. Why would they listen to me? No authority, no authority. I I mean, 19-year-old kid, who's going to pay attention to me? No credibility. I haven't proven myself to anybody to be able to stand and and to encourage them in in this sort of way or, or to be involved in a movement of God. I don't even think I have many gifts. So I just don't want to do it, no desire. Those five phrases are like the end of the beginning of us figuring out how smart God really is. Because if he's chosen you, he's going to woo you into all the things that he he loves. And when you look at the words from God, here's what he's saying. I know your name. I'm going to warn you in places where I should protect you. Besides that, we, 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 what we're dealing with here is I'm going to consistently remind you that I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm always with you. And then God is your gift. If you think you're not gifted, God is the gift that lives inside of you and he will speak on your behalf. He will let you know what you need. And then when you actually really release, it's that point where you say, gosh, this is what I desire. This is what I want to see. This is what I want to do. I just don't know how to do it. And God's saying that I'm actually the map that lives inside you to show you how. And these two chapters are what holds us together in, in mission. It's, it's one thing to be able to be a part of a church and be in a community that's, that's uh, connecting and, and that they're trying to make impact where they are. But God is waiting for that moment where every person in the church says, all of the things that I would say discredit me are all the things that God can perform in me. And that's what He wants to do. So I, I want to just here for a moment just pray for us and pray that God will continue to clarify your mission and clarify it as clearly as possible. Um, so let's pray together about our individual mission. You're You're getting together with all your families probably at some time during this week and there's a mission there for you. I want you to be able to step into it. Beyond that, I really want For God to have those conversations with you that when you think you're discredited, you're already, he's going to perform in you. You don't have to perform for him. He will perform in you. So Jesus, thank you for an opportunity for us to talk about what it means to step into not just a relationship with you, but into the mission of God that you've uniquely created every single person in this room for. Lord, you've created me for something special and unique and I want to be as full on in that as I possibly can. Lord, I I, I just ask you uh, for you to have personal, intimate conversations about who and how the God of the universe wants to use you. Look at it in Thanksgiving. Look at it at school, look at it at work and allow Jesus to fully perform in you. In Jesus' name, amen.